cliffcentral.com. All right, Anthea, what's happening? Um, so where shall we start? Let's start with Wednesday. It was the macroeconomic data. On Wednesday, our CPI inflation came in at, drum roll please, 3.7%. Okay. Good. So you know that you Good reserve. That's brilliant, right? For us consumers, we sure. don't want high inflation. So it's just been coming down and down and down, which is fantastic. Um, so the Reserve Bank is targeting 3 to 6% inflation rate with 4.5% the midpoint. So this is now well below their midpoint. In fact, it's closer to the lower band than it is to the midpoint. And so you would think that the South African Reserve Bank on Thursday would have cut interest rates at their monetary policy committee. Yes. And did they? No. Can you believe that? Why? I, I don't actually know how to explain this. Um, have they got a policy they're not telling us about? Maybe. I don't know. Hey? It, it's just so what wrong. Would the, what so, the strategy Kanyako be? says, well, he says that, um, Monetary policy can't replace structural reform, and that's what South Africa needs. South Africa needs structural reform. He says to grow the economy, um, you need other things to be in place. He's still worried about exogenous factors like fuel price inflation and capital outflows. Um, he's also worried about locally wage inflation. And so he's thinking that all of this will still come through. Um, the Reserve Bank is expecting CPI inflation to peak at 5.3% in the first quarter of next year. Yeah, 2020. Yeah. But actually, I, I mean, we're so desperate for GDP growth and the consumer is so constrained. And, you know, I, you can, you saw it in the retail results, right? Yeah, so there just the, isn't enough money in the system. That's right. There's just not enough spending. And we all know that GDP Growth is 60% driven by consumer spending. And if the consumer is not spending, then it's going to be really difficult to get GDP growth. And I, I just cannot for the life of me explain why the Reserve Bank did not cut interest rates on Thursday. Well, at least the, the, the CPI figures are good. I mean, That's we, we right, should yes. be pleased about that because it does indicate that there's a little bit more health than we thought. Yeah. Although, maybe, maybe people are saving. Maybe, maybe finally. When well, a push comes to shove, people are like, well, we're just not gonna, we're not gonna spend as much money as we used to. Well, I think part of that is that they can't, actually. That's they can't what I'm spend. getting at. But yeah. that may be a good thing, you know? It's almost like you're being forced to be disciplined. Um. No? No. I, I think you need people to spend, um, in order to grow the economy, actually. Oof. So, so, so can you imagine if, Inflation fell to deflation. So when things were cheaper and people weren't spending at all and you were, let's say, a car manufacturer, but you were in deflationary environment and next month, let's say next week, cars are going to be cheaper because it's deflation than they were last week. So, Mr. Price, we'll talk about that in a minute, but this is a good example, actually. Um, you wouldn't go as a consumer. You wouldn't buy a car because you know that next week it's going to be cheaper. And yeah. the week after, it's going right. to be cheaper. And as the car manufacturer, you stop manufacturing. Isn't that what is happening in the property market? A little bit, yes. And definitely in construction because people are not buying houses. They can't afford it. Yeah. And so the construction companies are not building and they're mm. all going bust. So it's not good, actually. Oof. So what happened with Mr. Price, because they put out their first half results as well, and they admitted to a couple of things going wrong. And one of the things that went wrong 
was that in December of last year, they imported or they got, they just got their fashion wrong. Not the first time. Actually, probably only the second time in Mr. Price's entire history. Woolworths have done it a couple of times. Mr. Price got their fashion wrong and they did another thing. They got, they did what they call, um, assortment imbalance. In other words, they got their sizing wrong. Uh-oh. And so in March and April of this year, you saw very aggressive sales at Mr. Price because they were trying to get rid of their summer fashion going into winter and trying to get rid of the sizes that they that people weren't buying because it was the incorrect sizing, basically. Well, it's almost like stocking up your kitchen. You don't want to buy a whole lot of fresh produce that's going to go off. You so go. you buy what you need. And they almost have to I didn't realize this, obviously. I, I mean, I don't think about what oh, it's a science. Woolworths or Edgar's or anyone else buys. But if you think about it, you have to have a good idea of how many smalls, how many mediums, how many larges, how many mm-hmm. extra larges and so on you have to buy. Exactly. And if you get those wrong, the You're stuff stuck. just sits there. Yep. And if you get your fashion wrong. So this is like the one thing I have no idea, no idea about is fashion. Yeah. And so. Imagine that you import because you have to order ahead of time, right? Yeah. You're basically ordering. And you're hoping people months. will like it. Exactly. And what if they decide, oh, actually, that is not the fashion for me? So when then you say they buy. got the fashion wrong, do you think that they were maybe too uh, fashion forward or that they weren't conservative enough or the opposite? Because oh, that's, you're asking the wrong person. I'd be fascinated Ask somebody to hear. else. Yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> Surely someone in this room has an opinion about that. And it's you, fascinating. And you said. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and you said, huh, "It's just that's we, we'll cut that out of the podcast." Okay. Can I'll, I'll leave now. You said that they've got it wrong twice. Yes, and they not last year. The year before, they got their winter fashion wrong. If I if I remember correctly, and that, this is not your opinion of fashion. What you mean is that by the numbers, exactly, it turns out they Absolutely. didn't do well. Yes, so by so they admit it. So they say, so, so they've got buyers, obviously, who go into store and compare how other stores are doing to how they're doing and what they're buying and what people are Amazing. wearing. And you, that, that, this could indicate that South Africa is quite a fashion-conscious country. I think we are becoming. If, if you, because if people didn't know anything about fashion, they just buy what, whatever was there. They wouldn't mm. go to a different shop or stop spending altogether. <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? And also don't forget, it's only recently that we've had competition like H&M and Zara Mm. and all the foreigners coming in. That hasn't happened. I mean, that hasn't always been historically the case. All right. Now, you were going to say something about the the, the construction industry just now, just that they're in deflationary situations. Well, there's just no growth. I, I, I can't say that it's in deflationary situation, but there's just no growth. And so the construction companies are just falling over one by one. All right. Well, let's talk about life health care. Sure. We're talking about people falling over <laughs> one by one. <laughs> how, 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 <laughs> first of all, how's the company going? So they put out their full year results. Um, this was an interesting one because they had good, strong offshore performance, weak domestic performance, but ironically, the expectations were different from the market. So the market was expecting um, less from the local, and so the local exceeded expectations, wow. and the offshore didn't meet expectations. It's quite funny. Yeah. Group revenue was up 9%. Normalized EBITDA was up 3.5%. Decent cash generation from operations. They generated 5.9 billion rand in cash, so that's just over 7% higher. Um, and they managed to increase their final dividend but 
you know, I think they said that their outlook was still very difficult. And quite frankly, this is probably still the most expensive of the hospital shares on the JSC at the moment. We had MediClinic a week or two ago. And even though they performed quite badly, and it's not that they performed badly. It's actually, it's a funny thing about South African companies, the ones that have gone offshore, they've all been hampered by something. You know, there's like a change in regulation, which is MediClinic's problem, because they're now in um, Switzerland, the UK, uh, Dubai. And just something about how the regulation has changed offshore has hurt them a little bit. So MediClinic are now recovering, but health life, life care is still a little bit sick, I'm afraid. So, uh, you, you know, it's, it's just too expensive and I'm, I'm not going to be touching those shares at this stage. Can we look at two of the banks quickly? Well, one is the holding company, uh, Rand Merchant Holdings, and then we'll look at Investec. Um, yes, let's do that. So, so Rand Merchant Holdings, they're a holding company and they hold First Rand. They announced last week that they're unbundling First Rand, um, from the group. And the thing with holding companies, and you know a couple of them, there's, uh, PSG, there's Conduit, uh, African Rainbow Capital, uh, Patrice's company, they're all holding companies. And what happens with holding companies is that they generally trade at a discount to their net asset value. So their underlying holdings. So imagine you owned first rand shares. Let's say you own 10 first rand shares and they were trading at 20 rand each and you were a holding company. Let's say Cliff Central was a holding company and they had a couple of other holdings investments underneath that. You can easily calculate the net asset value of those of your holdings you and your take investments. The companies they own and you add them together. Exactly. But the funny thing about holding companies is that they generally trade at a discount. So and the sum of the parts is less than the whole. Exactly. Oh, look at you <laughs> bringing up a, a little phrase, a little cliche there. Um, <laughs> just turned around. And so what they're doing now is saying, well, for our long-suffering shareholders, we're going to unbundle our holding in first strand at a 10% discount. And you'll actually see those shares now trade higher than where they were being valued on the JSE. So that's quite exciting. What does that represent an opportunity for buyers or for sellers? Buyers for first rand. Actually, um, you know, I would actually – normally there would be what we call a pairs trade in the market. If you go – Long the one share and short the other share because you know that the correlation between the two is so almost near perfect. In this case, I think that both shares will probably rally because what will happen is your first rounds will be unbundled and be basically free to trade as they do. And then your RMHs, they're also saying that they're going to unbundle other assets in this company. And so hopefully that'll, the discount will narrow as we say. Okay. And then Investec, they reported their first. So can I use half. another cliche just Uh-oh, to explain how that works in my head? So you're basically you're losing with one hand and gaining with the other. <laughs> oh, look is at that, you! Is that That's more or less exactly what it is? Right. <laughs> yeah. So your RMH shares will be less valuable, but you'll try to sell them offshore. Oh, look at you! And you'll Very try good. to. Well, you're teaching me things. I'm trying to. <laughs> I was just thinking. If I don't put it in my own words, <laughs> I don't understand yeah. it. You know, this is how it goes. Just look at your scholar. Oh, he's grown. So impressed. Eh? I'm still unimpressed with you riding that stupid bicycle race, but we'll save that for the uh, end. Oh, yeah, no, even I'm unimpressed about that stupid bicycle race. All right, Investec. <laughs> so Investec, first half results, the share was down 2.4%. It's down almost 10% since it put out its profit warning in September. This is a difficult one. So they're, they're also unbundling. They're unbundling or spinning off their asset management division. They're calling it 91. What do you think of that name? 
as an asset management business. I mean, because so you know, Alan Gray, Coronation, Cartesian, um, what other asset management businesses do you know? Investec Asset Management, Standard Bank Asset Management. Investec are calling their asset management business 91. Yeah. <laughs> no. So um, what's his name? Detoy. Henrik Detoy went to great lengths to explain why and the… And the is it numbers or is it written out 91? It's, as far as I know, it's written out 91. So mm. the, the reality of it or the actual fact is that the asset management business was started in 1991. Oh, okay. But Henrik de in the results presentation last week, went to great lengths to draw parallels between 91, the year Sia Khaleesi was born. I mean, oh no, that's I a know stretch. how, what a stretch, right? Yeah. And so many other things he was talking about. Anyway. The name of the asset management business, Investex Asset Management Business, is 91, the year they started trading. <laughs> anyway, not good. Things are not looking great. They've had net outflows, so, sorry, net inflows of 3.2 billion rand, which is 6.3% growth, which is not bad. But then, just from the other side of things, the operations really fell by 4.2, operating profit fell by 4.2%. So I think just, Things with Investec at the moment, very difficult. They've had a couple of negatives or um, disappointments, I should say, especially in their UK business. So the share looks cheap at the moment, but then you can't help but wonder what's going to be the catalyst to see the share go higher. Um, yeah, they, they really have got – Investec really have got this, you know, uh, be fearful when others are greedy kind of – Mentality at the moment because they're very excited about expansion and growing and and we'll see how that plays out, shall we? All right. no. I'm not going to hold uh, my breath, but exactly. let's go to Toho Sun quickly before you go. And so they put out interim results. Um, I think the market was pretty much much expecting the numbers that came out after the trading statement they put out earlier this month. Uh, income was up five percent, EBITDA up four percent, adjusted headline earnings. Though was down 13% And this was more about Depreciation and interest charges Relating to the Suncoast expansion Than anything else So you know you you watch these things year on year Every six months kind of grow And you wonder where they're going to make their money Or how they're going to add value And you can only hope that by Spending money on expansionary programs That that'll pay off I mean this reminds me of um, What's What's the Menland Sun? What's the casino? Times Square. Times Square. Like that was a disaster. Sun International. Sun International, right? Yeah. That was real. Anyway, so we, we hope that the expansion programs and all the money they spend on expansion pays off. All right. Um, you did this bicycle race cool. last Sunday, and that's why you weren't here on Monday. People were furious. Oh, really? Oh, uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so the only time you've ever let us down because of some <laughs> stupid cycling race. How did you do? It wasn't only the cycling race. I also had to get to the airport. I flew off to Cape Town that morning. Ugh, with sore legs. With my legs are still sore. <laughs> oh, wow. Why do you okay, do grant, it? Okay, granted, we had our year-end function on Friday, and I danced all night <laughs> in high heels. The Friday Why? before? No, this Friday oh, passed. So my legs are sore from last Sunday's race and Friday night's dancing. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did go dressed up as the dance monkey. So <laughs> that yeah. I had to dance. Wow. Um, uh, so there's <laughs> a lot to deal with here. Yeah. <laughs> if so, we had to dissect this. <laughs> so tell me about what you did on the race. Uh, I did over five hours and you know the first part of the race is just uphill and I thought 
No, no, we don't know. <laughs> oh, don't you know? No, okay, well, you go from Stain City, through Stain City, up the hill, up the hill, all the way up, and then all the way up Jan Smuts, and then when you get to the top of Jan Smuts, basically, that's kind of the peak of the race. And then you turn around and go onto the highway. And I, as I got to Jan Smuts, I thought, huh, I got this. It, that was hard, but I've got this. And then I turned onto the highway and into the wind and started cramping, and everything was painful. And so it was imagine just awful. cycling up Jan Smuts. Ugh. It's Dude. so long. Not even if zombies were chasing me. <laughs> you wouldn't. It's amazing. How long is the distance? It's 94.7 kilometers. Oh. So it's sponsored by 94.7. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, of course, we also have to do Kailami. Is <laughs> that like whole section? And something on, I don't know if you know Kailami racetrack, but there's a part called the chimney. And that's when I lost my sense of humor. Which part is that? It's a, is it like a big uphill? Yes, yeah. it's just like a very steep uphill. It's not very long, but it's very steep. And you've had enough. And that's by that stage, you've had enough, right? You're just like, you're about, I don't know, mm, 75 home. kilometers into the race now. Now you're just <laughs> enough. <laughs> all right, Anthea, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. That's the money shot. Next time, I promise you, I'll have all your theme songs ready for you. Cliffcentral.com.